There are four teams remaining in the Major League Baseball playoffs, but unfortunately, after the exit last week, one of them is not the Orioles. But for the O's, that means they shift into off-season mode. And while they can't do many things just yet, we can certainly preview that off-season. And we're going to do that today, coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, October 16th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to preview the Orioles offseason. Yes, the Major League Baseball season is still going on with the AL and NLCSs. You got the Diamondbacks and the Phillies on one side, and the Astros and the Rangers on the other. But the O's have really already started planning their offseason. Mike Elias met with the media for the kind of postseason press conference last week. We won't get too far into some of the things he said, but in general, wanted to look forward. Because the next thing to look forward to for the Orioles is the offseason and how they can make this team better and try to avoid an early playoff exit in 2024. I'll talk about who the Orioles could add to this team, who they could lose from this team, and some important dates to know for the offseason. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So it's an off-season preview episode here on the Locked On Orioles podcast, and let's start with what the Orioles could do in terms of additions. Now, we'll talk about kind of what dates to know in terms of free agency and trades, but basically you can't really do anything until the World Series ends. But between now and then, you can start formulating a plan. And Michael Elias spoke with the media, had a press conference last week, and he said some things you would expect. He said maybe some concerning things. In general, the messaging was similar to what we hear from Michael Elias usually, that Yes, we've pursued players in free agency and in trade. Yes, it's possible for us to increase the payroll, but I'm not going to commit to saying anything now that we're going to do so. And on and on from there saying, you know, I regret that our moves at the deadline didn't help us win the DS, but they did help us win a division title, which was the first goal. Basically, the GM speak that you expect from Michael Elias at this point. But again, we want to preview the offseason. So let's start with what the Orioles could add. That's the most exciting part of an offseason, right? Especially when you're coming off a good year, but you know you have things to improve. It is how can you get better in the offseason. And let's start with the needs for the Orioles, right? I think the O's need a starting pitcher. I think we're all in agreement with that. And it would be nice if it was a top-of-the-rotation kind of guy who can go out there and throw well in a playoff game because we saw how the postseason went starting pitching-wise for the Orioles. A closer is a potential guy on this list with Felix Bautista out for the entirety of the 2024 season after Tommy John's surgery. Another veteran relief pitcher would certainly be nice. They tried to do that last offseason by adding Michael Givens. That was a disaster. And then with the fact that they ended up losing Dylan Tate for the entire year. And quite frankly, we don't know the status for Dylan Tate heading into 2024 either. I hope he's back, but we just kind of really haven't heard anything at this point. So you're out. Felix could be out Tate again should be a similar plan to go get a veteran reliever and then potentially a veteran hitter. Someone who can come into the middle of that lineup. They've signed one every year. I know they have a lot of bats coming, but it would still be useful to have a veteran 
in that lineup. So let's start with free agency because it is the easiest way to acquire players. All you have to give up is money. And when there's no salary cap and you have a billionaire owner, generally that should be the easiest way to acquire a player. You don't have to give anything up on your end. You can take some money out of the owner's pocket and you can go acquire players. Now it's not that easy as we know when John Angelos is involved, but still in general, the easiest way to acquire players in the offseason. Let's start with the starting pitchers because there are some top names on the board. Now, technically Shohei Otani is a free agent, but I don't think he's going to pitch in 2024. And again, the Orioles aren't signing Shohei Otani. So the top starting pitcher out there right now is Blake Snell, who looks like he is in line to win the NL Cy Young Award this year. We know who Snell is, right? The Orioles saw him a lot when he was with the Rays before he was traded over to the San Diego Padres. Hard-throwing left-hander, really elite stuff, very, very high strikeout numbers, but also very high walk numbers. He was one of the best strikeout pitchers and also one of the worst walk pitchers this year, but he left a lot of runners on base, got a lot of key strikeouts, but he throws a lot of pitches, and rarely will you see Blake Snell pitch past six innings in any start because he nibbles on the edges, goes for strikeouts, walks guys, and the pitch count gets to 100 in the sixth inning pretty time, pretty much every time Blake Snell is out there. I also don't see the Orioles getting Blake Snell because he'll be the most expensive pitcher on the market as well, and they're not going to play up there at the top. And that's something to kind of go into the offseason realizing because what I had heard last offseason and it was somewhat what Elias talked about last week is that the Orioles basically weren't willing to go beyond like no doubt they were not they did not offer any contracts to starting pitchers that were beyond three years. And generally they didn't want to offer anything beyond two years to any starting pitchers unless they were like really the one and they gave out a third year. So no matter what you're giving out on an annual basis per year, Operating where you're only giving out two-year contracts, you're going to get beat by other teams who are willing to go four or five years for these starting pitchers and lock them up for more money because, again, all that money is guaranteed in Major League Baseball. So that's where the Orioles are at. Could they maybe get a Sonny Gray? Yes, maybe. I would love to see Sonny Gray. He's been great for the Twins this year. Could they go get a Jordan Montgomery, who the Orioles saw in the ALDS? I think it would be a good addition. Shouldn't cost too, too much. But even those guys... I think have added to their resume, made the price go up. And, you know, you're looking at an Aaron Nola. Would that be an amazing ad? Yes, but his price is just going up this offseason. And so I fear the Orioles could be operating in more of the Hunjin Ryu, Martin Perez, Lance Lynn, maybe Lucas Giolito part of the free agent starting pitching class, which is better than they've done in the past with Kyle Gibson and Jordan Lyles, but still does not excite you as much as a free agent pitcher should. But those are kind of the guys out there, maybe more in the Orioles price range. In terms of closers, there's really two like good veteran closers out there this offseason. There's Josh Hader, who's going to command a lot of money, and I don't see the O's doing that. And then there's Craig Kimbrell, who is a free agent after this season with the Phillies. It's been a little shaky, but still been good. The other guys out there, David Robertson, who was a closer this year, then was traded to the Marlins and was really bad. And then Trevor May, who was actually a pretty good closer down the stretch, but he was pitching for the Athletics, so you know nobody really noticed, and he could certainly be an addition. But there's other veteran relief pitchers out there as well that would fit the mold. I mean, there's millions of names, it seems like, every year, but some of the guys that the O's could potentially target that I would like them to go after are Matt Moore, Pierce Johnson, Reynaldo Lopez, Wandy Peralta, Phil Maton, just some of the names that should be out there this offseason. And then there is the veteran hitter. And I get it, right? The Orioles already have a log jam among hitters. Plus, you're looking at the likes of 
Jackson Holiday, Joey Ortiz, Connor Norby, Kobe Mayo, maybe all being ready for the big leagues next year, plus Colton Kowser factoring back into the equation. It's going to be very hard to get all these hitters on the field, but I still think it's nice to bring in a veteran. Now, could that be a potential re-signing of a guy like Aaron Hicks? Could talk about that in a little bit, but among the guys who could be out there in free agency, like an Adam Duvall, really, you know, good right-handed hitting outfielder, can play all three positions. He's dominated the Orioles in the past. A Cody Bellinger, if they really wanted to spend. I know there's a log jam already with kind of the, you know, outfield, first base, Kerstad, Mountcastle, O'Hearn situation, but Bellinger had a great year. A Tommy Pham to come in and supplement the outfield. Jamer Candelario to be kind of versatile in the infield. Maybe a Donovan Solano, who the Orioles have had some interest in the last couple of years, who had a really good season as a utility guy for the Twins, could be a potential Orioles possibility. Again, other names out there, but some of the names that caught my eye among the free agents. Now, I think we're all confident the Orioles will sign some free agents. I mean, even when they've not been spending at all, they've brought in guys in free agency in the past. You know, Michael Givens, Kyle Gibson, Adam Frazier this year. But the Orioles seem more likely to go get guys via trade because they've done it before, getting Fujinami and Flaherty at the deadline, getting Cole Irvin last offseason, and also the fact that they kind of might have to make some trades this offseason because that logjam I just mentioned of the position player prospects, you're just not going to be able to play all those guys or even get all those guys on the major league roster, and a lot of them are going to be big league ready at some point in 2024. They traded a little bit from the surplus this year, but they should try to continue to do that. And, you know, you look at guys like, how do you how do you play Norby Mayo and, and Ortiz in 2024? I, I don't see a path to doing it because you know Jackson Holiday is going to be there. So maybe you could go trade for a starting pitcher, and, and maybe you do better. You one-up yourself from the Cole Irvin or the Jack Flaherty trade. Maybe you go and get a guy, you know, like a like a Corbin Burns or a Dylan Cease, and you really make that move. Or it's it's maybe one level down where you go get a guy like a Jose Quintana or an Alex Cobb who can help you here for a year. Or a little more controllable guy on a bad team like a Griffin Canning of the Angels. I could see the Orioles, you know, Canning's been kind of up and down. I could see the Orioles making a tweak there and turning him into a good starter. Or do you maybe make those trades to go get the reliever? Because you feel like you can get a reliever cheaper to kind of fill in for Bautista in 2024. And maybe you target from the Angels a Carlos Estevez, who had an all-star season as the Angels' closer. But, you know, if Otani doesn't sign back there, the Angels probably be in the toilet next year. Maybe, you know, we always talk about trading with the Brewers. They seem willing to trade their guys as they get closer to free agency. You know, Devin Williams only has two years left before he becomes a free agent. The Brewers' lockdown closer. Maybe those could make a deal with Milwaukee. To get him, we've already seen Milwaukee trade away their closer. They did it last year with Josh Hader, who says they wouldn't do it again with Devin Williams in the offseason. So certainly some guys out there the Orioles could go get, and they certainly have the prospect capital to go get them. And then in terms of adding players, there is also the waiver wire. As we know, it's almost impossible to predict what the O's could do there, but... We know Mike Elias is always active, especially Eve Rosenbaum's kind of like the number one waiver wire person in that front office, always active on the waiver wire, trying to pick up guys who are going to help them. It could be the waiver wire. It could be the minuscule trades. You know, that's how they've gotten the guys like CNL Perez and gotten the guys like Ryan O'Hearn and gotten the guys like Jorge Mateo and players who have helped them over the last couple of years. You know, there will be some waiver claims this offseason. It's just like, you don't know. I mean, there's no way to preview because you never know who's going to be on waivers and who the O's 
would be interested in. But kind of the last thing is the Rule 5 draft, which happens during the winter meetings in early December. Now, the winter meeting, you know, the Rule 5 draft is one way to add players because if you have open 40-man spots, you add a player from another team's organization, you got to keep them in the big leagues all year. I think almost certainly the Orioles will add a pitcher in the Rule 5 draft like they always do. Now, that pitcher last year was Andrew Politti, ended up not making the roster, and Politti never even got to the big leagues with the Red Sox in 2023 and, and wasn't probably as good as the Orioles hoped he would be. They'll certainly try to add some pitching, probably a relief arm like they've done, and, and hope to find the next Tyler Wells. But there's also, you know, you add guys to the 40-man roster to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. And I will say, the the group of guys that the Orioles have wanted to protect over the past couple of years, like there's been three, four, like, locks to protect over the last couple of seasons. There is a scenario this offseason where the Orioles don't protect anyone from the Rule 5 draft and add them to the 40-man roster. They're kind of in a weird prospect spot here where the guys who are eligible generally are the 2020 draft and undraft free agent signing college players and then the 2019 draft high school players. Those are the guys eligible this offseason. Now, the top 2019 high school player is Gunnar Henderson. He's already in the big leagues. And the next best one was Daryl Hernandez, who the Orioles traded to the Athletics last offseason for Cole Irvin. The 2020 guys, Heston Kerstad, already in the bigs. Jordan Westberg, already in the bigs. And then you got some guys who have dealt with injury like Hudson Haskin and Anthony Servideo. I just don't see the Orioles adding those guys. Then there's a couple of pitchers that they signed as undrafted free agents. Maybe Brandon Young. He's gone through a lot of injuries. Ryan Watson, who was the Orioles minor league pitcher of the year in 2022, but really did take a step back and, and was put in the AAA Norfolk bullpen this year. So I don't see him being added. So if I had to guess, I would maybe say there's one like relief prospect name we're just not thinking of that they probably add. Maybe a guy like Wandison Charles, who was signed to a minor league deal last year and then looked pretty good between AA and AAA and had really high strikeout numbers. I mean, maybe that would be a guy. But there's not going to be as much going into those Rule 5 draft additions this offseason because there's not just as big of a pool. And the prospects who would have been in that pool, they're already in the big leagues because the Orioles are trying to win games now at the major league level. So truly, you know, it, it is the most fun to talk about what the Orioles could add this offseason. But they're also going to lose players, right? Like, it's their pending free agents. Like, of course, not all of them are going to be back. There's a chance that none of them are back. Also, they could trade away from the big league roster, at least the 40-man roster, to improve the team in some ways. And, you know, you also sometimes have to DFA guys to make roster space. So we'll talk about who could be gone from the Orioles this offseason. That is coming up next. But first... This episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Now I know there is no need to buy Orioles tickets for the near future because the season is over. But that doesn't mean Game Time doesn't still exist. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to the next big event because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events around you. Now if you're already looking forward to next March 28th, opening day, there's tickets. There will be tickets on game time, but they got tickets for everything. And with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Now, some great things around us coming up. Yeah, there's no Orioles games, but certainly get Ravens tickets, Capitals tickets coming up, Wizards tickets here coming up, Maryland football and basketball tickets. You can find them all on game time and you can see the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase 
So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So we're doing a little Orioles off-season preview episode here on a Monday podcast. Of course, the ALCS and NLCS rolling on without the Orioles involved, but we turn our attention to the off-season. And talked about in the first segment how the Orioles can add to this team, who they could get, and what chances they will have. But also, they're going to subtract from the team. That's something that happens every off-season as well. So talk about who they could lose and, and when that would happen. Let's start with the pending free agents. Right now... There are five of them, essentially, on the Orioles roster. Adam Frazier, Kyle Gibson, Aaron Hicks, Jack Flaherty, and Shintaro Fujinami are the five impending free agents for the Orioles. Now, there are three other guys who played for the O's in the big leagues at some point this year and are have now elected free agency. Those guys are Jorge Lopez, Austin Voth, and Josh Lester have all elected free agency rather than stay on with the Orioles for another year, mostly because all three of those guys had gotten DFA'd, you know, cleared waivers, ended up in AAA, want a spot to, to maybe get a big league deal, hopefully, with another organization. Doesn't mean none of them could be back. I mean, there's a chance the Orioles, and I could see them certainly doing this, re-signing both Lester and Lopez all to minor league deals if they wanted to come back, but you certainly get it. They want to explore their options in free agency this offseason. But let's turn back to you know the, the really pending major league free agents. And, you know, it's interesting with those five guys because, as I said already, it wouldn't shock me at all if the Orioles didn't re-sign any of their free agents. And they haven't really done a lot of re-signing of the free agents they've brought in throughout the rebuild. But now we're kind of past it. You know, we're through the rebuild. They won 101 games this year. They won the division. Probably means they're going to consider a little bit more bringing these guys back. But again, Adam Frazier can be fairly easily replaced, right? Like Kyle Gibson can be fairly easily replaced. Flaherty and Fuji didn't give you much, so they can easily be replaced. And Aaron Hicks brought a lot, but can still be replaced production-wise on this team. So you could see it. Now, I, if I had to bet on it, I would maybe say none return, but I think there's a chance at least one of them come back. In terms of most likely to least likely to come back, I would say most likely is Aaron Hicks. Again, I've talked about this before. The Orioles clubhouse and those young players in there loved Aaron Hicks, loved what he brought to the clubhouse. And listen, when he came over, O signed him in at the end of May after Cedric Mullins went down. Like He was a productive hitter. He was one of the Orioles' best hitters from June 1st on after they signed him. Like That's why he played so much in the postseason. That's why he stuck on the roster and really took a spot from Kowser and took potential playing time away from Kerstad and even Austin Hayes at times because that's how good Hicks was for the Orioles. He's still in his early 30s. He can still go get the baseball. He can still throw. He can still hit a little bit. He can still run a little bit. Like I could see the Orioles bringing him back on a pretty low-level deal. And the other thing for Aaron Hicks is, you know, the Yankees are still paying him a good amount of money, so it's not as important for him to go get a big free agent contract. Like, he can come back for not too much money and still make good money from what the Yankees are paying him at this point. Maybe that helps the Orioles bring Hicks back. Number two would be Kyle Gibson. Wasn't amazing, wasn't bad, just was solid, gave him quality starts, eight innings. If they want to bring him back again as a number five starter possibility on another one-year deal, I could certainly see them doing it. I could see Kyle Gibson maybe retiring. I could also see him trying to parlay this and do a little more money like Jordan Lyles did last offseason, get the two-year deal with the Royals in free agency. Number three would be Shintaro Fujinami. I think the Orioles are really 
really still intrigued by his stuff, obviously, and that is why they acquired him from the athletics before the deadline. But we've heard all along that Fuji still wants to be a starting pitcher. That's what he came to the to MLB to do. That's what he was with the A's for the first couple of months of the season before they transitioned into the bullpen because he was just kind of terrible as a starting pitcher. But if he wants to be a starter, the Orioles are not going to give him that chance. I, I can't imagine they are going to give him that chance at all. If he wants to be a reliever, though, I could see the O's taking the chance to bring him back. Then there's Adam Frazier. Maybe a minuscule chance, but I don't see it. And then the last one will be Jack Flaherty. That just did not work out. He will not be back in an Orioles uniform. So after the pending free agents, you've got your arbitration eligible players. And this is a very different animal for the Orioles this offseason than it has been in the past. Because the team is getting a little bit older, right? They've got some guys who have been around a little bit. A lot more players are hitting arbitration. The Orioles now have 16 arbitration eligible players this offseason. That is tied for the second most in Major League Baseball. 16 ARB eligible players. That is a lot of guys on your 40-man roster to be arbitration eligible. Now, the way arbitration works is once you've hit a certain amount of years of service time in the big leagues, instead of making the big league minimum, you go to arbitration, which essentially means you agree to a contract with the team based on your stats and your performance from the last year. Sometimes the team and the player will come to an agreement. That's what they get paid for the next year. Sometimes they have a disagreement. The player wants more. The team wants to give less. They go to an arbitration hearing, and a third party decides what that player will make for the next season. And there's a lot of big names among those 16 for the Orioles, but there's certainly some players who could potentially be non-tender options. What is a non-tender? When you non-tender a player, instead of offering him a contract in arbitration, you essentially just release him into free agency, even though he has pretty much every time this happens, you know, two or more years left under contract. You just feel like that player is not going to help you at the big league level, is taking up a 40-man roster spot, and you non-tender that player because you don't want to pay them the money they're owed in arbitration because essentially you're not going to use them to the full potential. So potential non-tender guys, Keegan Aiken is one of them. MLB Trade Rumors just put out their uh, potential, you know, arbitration estimates. They had Keegan Aiken making $800,000 in 2024. Now that's no money at all, but... Yes, Aiken was in the big leagues at times. Yes, he missed a lot of time with injury, but I think we're done with Keegan Aiken here, right? I, I, I think we're done with Keegan Aiken. Another one's Ryan McKenna. This be his first year in arbitration. Again, MLB Trade Rumors said 740000 but I believe McKenna is out of options at this point, which does make it tough for the Orioles, right? Because McKenna's like a perfect guy to send up and down, but if they don't have that option and they have to keep him on the roster or DFA him, I could see the Orioles non-tendering him, saving the $700,000 and just moving on because they have better outfield options at this point. I just don't know how much of a role he's going to play next season. The bigger money guy, though, are Jacob Webb, projected to be owed $1.2 million in arbitration. It really depends on if the Orioles think like the first stint of his Orioles career when he first came over is the Jacob Webb or the end part of the Jacob Webb. If they feel like they can, for cheaper, get a better bullpen option, which I think the Orioles think they can do, I see Webb as a pretty big-time non-tender candidate to save $1.2 million. Then there's Ramon Arias. I do think the O's are going to keep him around. They value the glove. They value the bench bat. They value the versatility. It seems like he's going to be due about $2 million in arbitration. I think the O's would go for that. But maybe the most interesting case will be Jorge Mateo, 
who is projected by MLB Trade Rumors to be due $2.9 million for 2024 in arbitration. Now, that's not a lot of money at all. But if the Orioles are pretty much ready to move on from Jorge Mateo and just see him as like a pinch runner and maybe a bat against lefties, when you've got Holiday coming up and potentially Mayo, Ortiz, Norby all ready to go at some point in 2024... It's going to be a longer conversation that we'll get to a lot more times this offseason, but Mateo certainly is a non-tender candidate. Then there are some other guys who are on the 40-man roster who have the potential to be traded. I mentioned Joey Ortiz earlier already, could be dealt to improve the team. Taron Vavra and Kyle Stowers are both in interesting spots, still currently on the 40-man. Either of them could be DFA'd this offseason, potentially. They could try to find some value for him. Both of them have just been passed over by other hitting prospects, and I don't see either of them surviving the offseason on the 40-man, whether it's a trade or a DFA situation. And then you got a couple of guys who, you know, the murmurs will start again about, are they dealt this offseason? Austin Hayes is one of them, all-star first half, not as great second half. How does he fit in with better players coming up? And then there's Anthony Santander, who had an amazing season, but... He is going into his final year. He will be a free agent after 2024. He will be the Orioles' most expensive player. He's going to be due projected over $12 million in arbitration for next season. It would make him potentially the highest paid 2024 Oriole if they don't actually do some stuff in free agency. I don't want them to trade Santander, but you could see the Orioles doing it if they are trying to operate like the Rays and the Guardians. Guy gets to right at the end of arbitration, gets too expensive. You know you're not going to sign him to an extension. You try to trade him because you think you can fill in with Kowser and Kerstad and get just as much production. It's certainly a possibility. And then there's a couple of guys who could be DFA. You know, guys on the 40-man roster who are right on the brink. And if the O's do make some additions, space would need to be cleared. They're mostly pitchers, honestly. Well, uh, Vavra and Stowers fit into this category too. But Joey Crable, Brian Baker, Nick Vespi, Bruce Zimmerman, all guys who are on the 40-man currently and could be DFA'd potentially if the O's made some upgrades there. But those are guys, a lot of moves that could be made where the Orioles could lose players from this current team. And you hope, though, when they do lose guys, it is to make upgrades in their spots. But one more thing to get to here on the episode, just want to kind of go through the timeline of the offseason, what dates you should look for, when things open up, when we can really start getting excited about the Orioles potentially adding to this team and getting better for 2024. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also... Brought to you by FanDuel. Now, take a look at FanDuel, because October baseball is back, and you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Join FanDuel today, and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to create your new account. Then you can get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. Bet on everything, from strikeouts to homers to who will win the game. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a W, predict what will happen in the next at-bat with quick bets. So head over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now. Step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. So after kind of previewing what the O's could do, who they add, who they subtract, all the kind of things that could happen this offseason, let's talk about the timeline, what the dates look like for this offseason before we go. And let's start with when does free agency open? Like when can the Orioles start to add players? Well, technically, free agency opens five days after the World Series ends. So the earliest it could start if the World Series ends up in a sweep would be November 5th. And the latest it would start if the World Series goes seven games would be November 9th. Now, 
you do have a five-day, the reason there's five days after the World Series is you do have a five-day exclusive negotiating window with your own free agents. So for five days after the season, the Orioles would have a chance to talk to Adam Frazier, Kyle Gibson, Aaron Hicks, Jack Flaherty, and Shintaro Fujinami before any other teams could talk to them. Maybe like one or two players per offseason, not for every team, just in general, signs in this period, re-signs with their team. Generally, you know well before, okay, I'm going to be a free agent or well before you get an extension done. It's usually not done in these five days, but MLB does still give teams that little tiny window. Then once the five days are up, everybody who's a free agent becomes a free agent. Trading, though, does open the day after the World Series. So again, you go back, the earliest could be November 1st. The latest could be November 5th, Again, just the very next day after the World Series ends. You can start making trades. Arbitration. We talked about those non-tenders, potentially just not tender and contract to arbitration eligible players. That non-tender deadline is November 17th, so we're just about a month away from the non-tender deadline. That's when the Euros are going to start having to make some tough decisions with those 16 arbitration eligible players. And there's guys who you could tender a contract to and then still trade or do something else with, but... Generally, that is the first decision to be made, November 17th. Then the arbitration deadline, the deadline to come to an agreement for next year is January 12th. If you don't come to a contract agreement by then, usually it goes to the third party. There is the Rule 5 draft, which is scheduled for December 6th this year, usually right at the end of the winter meetings. Winter meetings are, as usual, the first week in December. That is where a lot of action usually happens because all the GMs are in one place. So you look for free agents, you look for trades during that week. And generally, the deadline to protect players on the 40-man roster to hide them from the Rule 5 draft. Haven't seen a date for that yet, but it's usually two or three weeks prior to the Rule 5 draft. So generally, look for mid-November around that non-tender deadline for the Rule 5 deadline to come in there as well. So that is basically what the offseason will look like timeline-wise. And then pitchers and catchers. Looks like February 12th through 15th that week is when pitchers and catchers will report to Sarasota. The Orioles' first spring training game is on February 25th. And then opening day is Thursday, March 28th at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. The Orioles kind of randomly will open up at home against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim to kick off the 2024 season. And then the final date to know is December 31st. Because guess what? Despite their bogus announcement on clinchments back in September, the Orioles have still not signed the lease to extend their time at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, despite the you know memorandum of understanding saying we have something in place. They still haven't technically signed it. So that deadline of December 31st still sits there to sign that lease. So that is one final date to keep in mind as we head into the offseason. So that is what that offseason looks like for the Orioles. And again, we'll have it covered every single step of the way. But I will be back tomorrow on the podcast Looking at more things for the Orioles offseason, but also continue to take a look back at the 2023 season. Talk about, you know, player performances. We'll kind of grade out every player who played for the O's this year and what their role could be going into 2024. And we'll start that process throughout the rest of the week on the pod. Of course, be back tomorrow. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.